thrust into action, destined for greatness. We are the Spy-Fi Guys, and this is Age of Heroes. Welcome back to the Spy-Fi Guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And today we'll be covering the 2011 film... Age of Heroes, starring Sean Bean. Have we have we done a Sean Bean film before? I don't think so. He's yeah. in a lot of stuff. And I was really glad to see him, even though yeah. I had never heard of this movie before. And I would agree <laughs> that most of our audience has not. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard of this film, and I had attempted to watch it before, but I think I attempted to watch it when it was like I was really tired, so I fell asleep during it the first time. So I don't remember anything. We'll never let it be said that we only do the big blockbuster movies. Okay? <laughs> we appreciate the indie direct to video streaming ones as well. Well, I don't. This actually got a theatrical release. I don't know how widespread of a theatrical release it is, but it was released theatrically. I feel like a lot of these, I usually at least remember the trailer. Like Bridge yeah. of Spies, I didn't see it, but I remembered yeah, watching it. Bridge of Spies was like a huge movie. Mm hmm. Whereas this is more this was smaller. Yeah. Yes. Much smaller. And I think it's in the running for one of our shortest films at running just about 90 minutes. Well, the movie critic Leonard Maltin said that every movie can have a half an hour cut out of it, no matter <laughs> what kind of movie it is. So I usually appreciate the short running time. And yet this one even felt like it was too long. I felt like this <laughs> one could have had stuff cut out of it too. All right. Well, save it for our review. So, <laughs> Today's film, Age of Heroes, is based on Ian Fleming's 30 Assault Unit, which, if you remember back to our first two episodes, uh, we covered the BBC's BBC miniseries Fleming, and it goes over a bit of the creation of 30 Assault Unit, although the tone is very, very different. Well, I remember being disappointed at the time that we didn't actually get to see them fight, because uh, there were a lot of really colorful characters, <laughs> and they especially didn't seem to like Fleming very much. Um, yeah, so do you want to get into it? Sure. So here is the description, or the uh, synopsis from IMDb. The true story of the formation of Ian Fleming's 30 Commando unit, a precursor for the elite forces in the UK. Starts, I like the opening credits with the radar. That was nice. Nice touch. The radar was cool. The music was really good. But you know... What's that? You know what I noticed was missing? Based on a true story or anything like that? Yeah, I think this time they realized that would be too far. So we start off in France, 1940. There's a bunch of soldiers, uh, a unit ru you know, running away. And everyone else stops behind a log for cover. So I should dies. say they're not running away. They're retreating. They're advancing. Okay, yeah, yeah. They're, right, they're retreating, not they're running away. They're advancing towards not, future victory. Yeah. They have orders to go to Dunkirk. Yes. Now, is this the Dunkirk incident? The Battle of Dunkirk. Yep. So May 1940, of course, is very early in the war. So this is indeed the the rescue, the miracle at Dunkirk. That's what they're talking about. Okay. Just wanted to make sure because, like, I know I, I know of Dunkirk. I've seen Dunkirk. I have not seen the companion piece from you know um, what's that, the Darkest Hour, which is about uh, Churchill deciding to what to do about Dunkirk. Oh, I saw that. The Darkest Hour. I know that's not what we're here to talk about. So Dunkirk does factor into it, yeah. but it's not really yeah. what the movie's about. It's more like him trying to convince okay. everybody to go to war with Nazi Germany at all. Okay, well, that 
is on my movie uh, on my watch list. But you know what's considered to be the the best movie about Dunkirk? Atonement. Oh, yes, like oh. the romance movie. Huh. So there's a part. where they're in Dunkirk and it's like trucks and equipment and everything's like chaos and people are running all over the place. And from my understanding, that is much more what it was actually like than Christopher Nolan's lines of guys standing (laughs) on the beach, politely waiting to go. Well, anyway, so they're supposed to get to Dunkirk. Mm -hmm. So we have the leader of this little unit whose name is uh, Bob Rains. Yes, and there's all sorts of hokey dialogue in this part. This guy, there's a sol- there's like two panicky soldiers who are like, we're going to die, Sarge, we're going to die. He's like, don't you worry, we'll be back in the pubs drinking beer before you know it. Now keep fighting. <laughs> uh, so they escape from that first patrol. They end up lost mm-hmm. and it's starting to get dark and they run into another group of British sh- soldiers. Yes. And this, uh, this other unit is trying to ambush the Nazi soldiers and the guy in charge is trying to give them orders, you know, they contradict their orders to go to Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. He says, we're and... going to stay and fight, we might even be able to ambush them. And our heroes, <laughs> including Reigns, are like, what? No way! But then they're also being ordered We have to... orders to go back, right. yeah. This is the classic military drama that we see in movies all the time. But yeah, so as Reigns and his unit are trying to leave to go to Dunkirk. The other soldiers put the, uh, get their guns up at them. <laughs> I enjoyed that Reigns headbutts the other officer. Yeah, that was crazy. And then when they all pulled guns at each other, I thought they were all going to like shoot each other or something, but then the scene just kind of ends. Yeah, they all get arrested, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, better to be arrested than killed in a stupid fight that... So this know. leads me to that question of basically how did... Well, so... After also getting arrested, they were also lucky enough to be some of the people to actually get out of Dunkirk. Yeah. All right. Okay. I mean, assuming that any of this is true, I think they're probably like, this is bad, but we're going to deal with it later because we're sort of in a desperate situation right now. So and next we move to Whitehall, uh, which is the equivalent of like Capitol Hill or like that sort of area, D.C. area, where Mm -hmm. basically all... All your government and apparently all your intelligence agencies are all out of Whitehall in in London. Yep. And so uh, we go to we're at the Naval Intelligence Building and we see Sean Bean, Major Jones arriving. And Major meeting, Jack Jones. Jack that's, Jones. Who names that's, their? That's his name. <laughs> and I also liked at this point. Someone says that one of the soldiers, maybe it's Sean Bean, was the son of a famous botanist. Mm-hmm. I was like, boy, the times really are different that you can get famous by being a botanist <laughs> in the 1940s. So um, we have uh, Major Jones going into a meeting with Lieutenant Mortensen, uh, who is a U.S. Marine. Commander Fleming, claims by James Darcy, who also played, uh, what's his face, uh, Jarvis in the Agent Carter series and in Avengers Endgame. Yeah, he is all over the place. And speaking mm-hmm. of actors, last night I watched a little movie called John Carter. Uh-huh. Which is not good. It wasn't oh. that bad. But <laughs> the leader of one of the tribes in it was Carl from Munich. Oh. Oh. Yeah, Wait, that guy Carl. who we see all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> um, so they're here to talk about Operation Grendel. Yeah. As in Hansel and Gretel. No. No? As in Grendel, the monster in Beowulf. Okay. Wait, is Hansel That's... and Gretel? Gretel, Not Grendel. Yes. Okay. Yep, yep. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so Operation Grendel 
is all about uh, range and direction finding, basically radar. Mm -hmm. So apparently Luftwaffe at this point in the war have, you know, radio beams they're using to guide their planes, whereas Brits are still f using compass and stars to, you know, direction, to get you for direction. So what they're going to do is infiltrate an RDF research station, cause havoc, and bring back the intelligence. Right. While also knocking out the radar in Norway, which is where yeah. it's based. Yeah. We also get a line from somebody, it might have been Fleming, who says, officially, you won't exist. <laughs> which is yeah. so... So... A lot of a lot of the dialogue in this movie is like so stereotypical, and this is uh, one example of that. Yeah, but so hey, since this is our first, the first appearance of Fleming, this what do you think of this version of Fleming? He's much more toned down. Yeah, toned down Cooper. is one way to put it. I would also put, I would also describe him as wet blanket, cardboard, <laughs> nothing. Oh, ouch! I mean, I feel like the Dominic. This is probably truer to life that uh, mm -hmm. than. The Dominic Cooper version. I mean, I know Fleming was a cad and a bit of a playboy, but when it came to actually doing, you know, doing his job, he was deadly serious about it. Well, real life is boring. Okay, sorry. We're yeah. listen. People are watching this movie. It's sort of like the Fleming BBC series. You're mm -hmm. tuning in because you like Fleming. So give us Fleming, okay? <laughs> give us what we want. We know we want it. Have him with a martini. Have him with this no, attractive uh, uh, woman. Uh, Come on, that's who he is. That, I don't care if it's was... real. Nothing in this movie is real. <laughs> uh, so uh, Jones will be in charge. He's going to get an eight-man team. They only have six weeks to do this. Mm -hmm. And one of the men's who Jones wants is in prison. Um, who is it? And he has some kind of crazy name like Wainwright or something. Wainwright. Uh, uh, <laughs> Brightling. Yeah. So on his way there, we meet Sean Bean's pregnant wife. Is this her only scene? Yes, and I hated <laughs> this scene. So uh -huh. do you watch Chernobyl on HBO? I did not, no. Okay. I watched it and I listened to the podcast about it with Peter Sagal and the creator of the show. All right. So there's a main character in it, a head scientist named uh, Lenasov. And in real life, he had a wife and kids. But the creator of the show said, we're going to leave the wife and kids out of the series. And the uh, reason why is because we didn't want to have this stereotype of the courageous hero off by himself, worried about his sort of nagging wife and kids at home. So they just pretend like they didn't exist. Hmm, all right. This movie jumps into that stereotype completely. <laughs> yeah, so she's pregnant and um, she's they have an argument about yeah. like him going because he he was apparently supposed to be uh, just you know being an instructor, but instead he's going operational again, which is another trope. I feel like yes, it is, but it also kind of works because I understand why she's so upset. Yeah, you know, it'd be one thing if he was like, "I'm a soldier, I'm going to go to war," and she's like, "What?" It's kind of like, well, you knew what you signed up for when you married a soldier. Mm -hmm. And then another thing we found out is that so in in the mini as well was uh, Holbrook, who seems to be Fleming's uh, assistant, mm -hmm. and she and uh, Mortensen are a couple. Yes, will that be relevant to the overall plot of the movie? Very, very, very slightly, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Jones makes his way to uh, Dashwood Military Prison, where they're one of the 
the one of the red hats as they're known. Uh, I guess that's military police. Yeah, they even had the military police armband on. Are shouting at the uh, soldier prisoners, and Reigns is there, and they're going through some pretty grueling training. Well, I I like the insults from. He's not a drill sergeant. This isn't Full Metal Jacket that comes later. But I like. <laughs> When he says, when he yells, "You're a bloody disgrace," and then later he says, "Get up, you malignant maggot!" <laughs> like I know that maggot is considered to be like the stereotype of what drill instructors say, but when you add malignant to it, it like it takes on a whole new life. Yeah, I I, I thought those are pretty good. And so Joan, so we we meet <clears throat> Brightling here, mm-hmm. and Brightling seems to be in a bad way. He's not doing too well. Yeah, eccentric would be kind of the nicest way to describe him. And we find out that he was the commando. So this is this is the guy who Jones is coming to pick up. Mm-hmm. And when Jones comes to pick them up, he sees how badly that Breitling's being treated. And mm-hmm. as like Breitling collapses as they're like making him do something, uh, Reigns comes over and like, is try- like trying to help him. And Reigns asks Jones to take him with him, but Jones refuses. Commandos are like a certain, you know, a rare breed. And if you're right, when you get out, come find us. However long that's going to be. And uh, Reigns takes matters into his own hands and starts a fight, pulls a gun from one of the MPs. Or was it from the MPs or was it from Jones? I couldn't quite it, tell. It wasn't from Jones. It was from one of the MPs. Because that's something that bothers me, which is they also did this in Titans, where uh, you have a prison guard walking in the middle of a bunch of convicts with a gun. It's like, I thought that was rule 101 about being a prison guard, is you don't have a gun. But whatever. Well, this is the military poli- police. So it's mil- military prison. So maybe it's different. Okay. Uh, anyway, so yeah. yeah so he, and he pulls, pulls the gun, points it to Jones, and mm-hmm. threatens him saying, you know, you're going to get in the car and drive me out of here. Right. So he, like, takes him hostage. They're on their way out. There's a quote here where he says, don't try anything silly, which I thought was hilarious. And... It turns out Jones, or not Jones, Reigns thought that this was like a whole, like a, a test. Of, to, he said, you said when I, you know, when I get out, I can find you. I'm out. I found you. You winked at me. No, no, no. That's not it. That's not uh, it. What was it? What was it? He, oh, yeah. So Breitling said, I have a plan to get us out. That's so right. Reigns thought that was the plan. That, like, they wanted him to do it, which is also really funny. <laughs> Sean Bean is like, what are you bloody stupid? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But somehow he gets away with it because it's a movie. He says that, you know, if Jones tells him that if Rain doesn't pass any part of training, he'll send back, be sent back to prison. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. So we go to a training camp in Scotland. And here's where we get our two drill instructors, Gray and mm-hmm. Mac. And yep. I enjoyed that they were very Scottish. Mac even had the Scottish hat with like the pom pom on the top. Was he wearing a kilt? I, I like. In I don't my think mind, he was. He I don't was think he was. I, he wasn't. <laughs> Just the hat. But I wish he was. The also is this scene is also really the first of our really good scenery. This movie yeah. has a lot of good scenery, and this is one of them. So there's a. Uh, I think I don't know if it was BBC, but there is a mini series, World War II mini series called what was it called? Sword of Honor. Uh, mm-hmm. starring Daniel Craig, or at one part he's a commando, and okay. he's going to train in the Scottish Highlands, too. I'm like, oh, so I guess this was just a thing, that like the commandos trained in the Scottish Highlands. And doing right. a lot of the same kind of training, too. Yeah, I guess they're not, uh, there's not much else going on up there, so. <laughs> I really enjoyed Mac and Gray as the very, very Scottish um, drill sergeants. Like, you just combine 
the Scottish shouting and Joe Sargent, and it's a perfect combination. This whole scene was really good. I like yeah. I like boot camp scenes in military movies, and not just Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> so I like there was a reference to Jesse Owens, which reminded me of Indiana Jones: The Last Crusade. Okay. Oh wait. Oh. Oh, wait, which part actually, in Last Crusade? This is a this is a weird loophole, uh, not loophole, a weird uh, wormhole. I'm gonna go down, but you know the scene where uh, Indy is dressed up as a Scottish lord, and the butler says, "If you are a Scottish lord, then I am Mickey Mouse." No, uh, I don't well, remember that at all. What? What? <laughs> it's when it's when Harrison Ford's doing this ridiculously over the top um, Scottish accent. Well, maybe I should watch it again. Yeah. Anyway, so. If you watched his lips, Butler is not saying Mickey Mouse. He's saying Jesse Owens. And the line was supposed to be Jesse Owens, but in tests, they've realized that no one remembered who Jesse Owens was. Well, that is so sad. Yeah. But, and yet, so typical, which is also so sad. So, getting back to the movie. Yeah. Getting back to the movie. <laughs> so, in this montage, they all use Thompson submachine guns. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if it's a mistake but I don't think the British used that kind of gun in World War II. I thought it was just Americans. Were those Thompsons? Yeah, I looked them up on the okay. Internet Movie Firearm Fire database, database to yes. make sure. Yeah. I mean, they're very distinctive looking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But so, I wanted to confirm. Yeah. Like, interesting. I did not I did not know that. So they go for, like, they do, yeah, your typical um, boot camp stuff. Go for a run with all your kit. Climb, mm-hmm. And they do some climbing, some boxing, shooting with exp- and explosives. And More great after- scenery. And yeah. there's one part that I thought was hilarious where in between throwing grenades and shooting guns, it shows like the camera's like in a stream bed. And then one of the guys like hops over it. It's like <laughs> a dainty little hop. I was like, really? <laughs> so after one of their runs, they all get in line. And mm-hmm. Jones sneaks up on one of them with... Oh, guys, pulling out a knife. Oh, my God, he has a knife. I do. (laughs) There's one in every podcast, the knife guy. (laughs) Yeah, so I actually have one of the. It's a Fairbairn Sykes commando knife. I am, unfortunately, not well-versed in using it. I'm scared enough already, so (laughs) it's just as well. Why do you have that? Because Because it's, well, James Bond. It is James Bond's preferred knife. Okay. And I just... I'm a big James Bond fan, and at a certain time in that, my life, I was collecting, you know, knives. Not very many, but, and I was like, I gotta have a Fairbairn Sykes. If I got you a Walther for your birthday, you wouldn't want it then? Um, a you real gun. a lot gun, of paperwork. Yeah, you know, no. I, I, I don't think I would actually want to have a, an actual firearm in the house, no. Okay, probably for the best. So, yeah. they trained them in the use of that blah blah commando knife. Yeah. With MP40s, the classic German machine gun, and a Luger, and see. Oh, how you we do. skipped the part. We skipped the oh, part. We did? So, yeah. So they, well, they're all handing it. Like, so this knife. Let's, let's, I want to stick with the knife for a little bit. As I see what you did there, stick with the knife. <laughs> that was unintentional. <laughs> unintentional. So the knife was designed with these commandos in mind, close quarter combat, and so they mm-hmm. like. Um, I forget if it was Mac or Gray. He's handing out the knives to each of the men, and Reigns is last, and he does not get a knife. Do you think that's because they're like, well, you're only here because we took pity on you? Well, and also because he hasn't proven himself yet. Right. 
yeah so and then we get to that scene where they're testing out all trying out all the different uh nazi weapons because they need to be familiar in how to use them if say for example they get captured or they lose their weapon and that's all they have yes so i like the part where they're like show us how to shoot so this one guy goes up and he shoots mm-hmm. and they're like who taught you how to shoot like that he says you, you sarge and then all of his friends start making fun of him they're like you sarge <laughs> 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 and then Reigns goes up to shoot, and he shoots. I know, uh, like it caught my eye immediately. That he started shooting left-handed, mm-hmm. and so when he's shooting, he you know ver- he cl- he gets right around the edges and not you know dead center of mass that how you uh, want it. Right. And then there's there um, again. I don't remember. If it's great. One of the Scottish uh, drill sergeants is like. Wow, that's yeah. terrible. If we need, you know, someone to shoot the broadside of a barn, we'll call you. See, more stereotypical dialogue. Couldn't have come up with some other euphemism for that he's <laughs> not good at shooting. And then Reigns pulls a Dread Pirate Roberts and says, yes. you should know something. I'm not left-handed, basically. Tink, 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 tink. <laughs> yep. So he goes, shoots with, his, or shoots with his right hand and gets, you know, center of mass and headshot on the target. And then they ask him, where'd you learn to shoot? And he says... Cowboy movies. Which, and then in response, they start, like, torturing him. Which uh, I thought was very uncalled for. I mean, your drill sergeant asks you a question. You give a straight answer. You don't try to show off. Well, I would agree, except that all of his buddies were just making fun of that other guy, like, literally ten seconds earlier. Alright, maybe. But, I mean... He gave the right answer, though. That's what you're supposed to say. If you doesn't matter if your buddies are making fun of you, they should. It's the drill sergeant is who you're reporting to. There's oh, a difference. I, so I thought the drill sergeant was just trying to be funny, as well when he asked where'd you learn to shoot like that? Because obviously, learn to shoot in the military. Where else are you going to learn to do it? But yeah, so they uh, Jones, not Jones, uh, Reigns. <laughs> as punishment, he's he has to go for a run. With his gun held above his head, yeah, and he's holding, he's there holding it above his head, standing. And Jones comes by and asks him, You know, what do you think we're trying to teach you here? I'm trying to teach you discipline, which you clearly lack. Yeah, again, another stereotype. Oh, yeah, but it's not unreasonable given that the 30 commandos were like ex prisoners and stuff, except the the BBC miniseries implied it was more than just one guy who was an ex-prisoner. <laughs> yeah. So then they say the warden is coming to send you back. Or to bring you back to the military prison. You're out of here. He's like, no, don't send me back. Yeah. And Jones is going to give Reigns one more chance and says that, you know, your, your performance over the next few days is going to determine basically the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And so, and then he goes back, and once he once Jones leaves, he goes back to holding his gun above his above his head, and mm-hmm. then we go to an intel briefing, right? Hosted and, by Fleming. Yes, the so Fleming's there, and there's also a, a flight s- sergeant there. Mm-hmm. And Fleming tells uh, Reigns apparently the the prison wants him back, and you know, um, was that you know Jones like would probably be court-martialed for what he pulled off, but since this is war, we're going to get away with it, basically. As usual. So it's like the same scene from before, same conversation again. But whatever. And, yeah, apparently Jones convinced Fleming that he 
could stay on the mission. So Fleming explains their mission is to destroy a radar tower and then to get radio direction flyer RDF Kets. Yeah. And he says that you guys are a new, first of a new breed, a smash and grab unit working behind enemy lines. Mm-hmm. There's also a part where he asked the Air Force guy, he's probably not Air Force, but I call him Air Force guy, to explain how radar works. And the Air <laughs> Force guy starts, and then they say, in English, please, which is the most cliched line in a movie full of cliches. <laughs> yep. There's something about a cliche that warms my heart when it actually shows up. Yeah. So uh, the... Uh... Flight sergeant's name is Roll Right, and so he's been developing. Him and his unit have been developing something to jam the RDF, the, uh-huh. uh, the radar. But apparently, the Nazis have come up with an anti-jamming device. Mm-hmm. And so, to get all the be- intel on that, Roll Right's going to come with them, and he'll wor- and they'll also work with an SOE agent, uh, Beowulf, who right. is over there. They and also hence- say. They also yes. say, how, what's our opposition looking like? They say, unlikely to be more than a platoon. Uh, a platoon is like 12 guys. So I was yep. like, there's no way that's correct. <laughs> Fleming also tells, is it, is it Reigns or is it someone else that he, he'll kill? He the, tells Jones. Jones to kill yeah. the Air Force guy if necessary. Yeah, he, yeah. so basically he can't, he can't be left behind because he knows too much. Also, mm-hmm. he says that uh, Beow, Agent Beowulf has gone dark and they haven't been able to reach, reach him. Right. But they're like, don't worry about it. We're just going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And so... Okay. <laughs> um, Jones gives Reigns order to babysit uh, Rollwright. Jones gives the order that if Rollwright is... Looks like he's going to be captured or is captured, he needs to shoot him. Yep. And then gives Reigns his commando knife. Hey. Yeah. So it's like passing delegating the responsibility of killing the Air Force guy to one of his one <laughs> yeah. of his henchmen, one of his lower ranked guys. That's mm-hmm. great. And so they have they have a nice. I love these scenes where they go over what the plan's going to be, mm-hmm. and like go through everything for the audience, pretty much for the audience. Because by this point, it's like the day before the mission. You should already know what your plan is. Have you seen the movie Active Valor? Do you know what it is? Uh, I feel like I fell asleep during it. <laughs> Uh, you seem to fall asleep during a lot of movies, but it's it was famous at the time because actors in it were real-life Navy SEALs and oh. not professional actors. Okay, maybe I've not seen this one. All right. So it was like an adequate movie. It's All better right. than this one. <laughs> but one of the points that they make in it is that in real life, because the movie kind of acts like real life, is they don't have arguments. The soldiers don't have arguments among one another. So like, you know, in the beginning of the movie... That one guy was like, I'm ordering you to attack. And then they all get into an argument. No. <laughs> They'd be like, I'm ordering you to attack. And they'd be like, okay. The reason why I think of it is they have a similar scene where they plan what they're going to do. And then they just yeah. go and do it. Mm-hmm. Of course, anytime you have a scene like this where they show you exactly what the plan is going to be, mm-hmm. it's never how it's going to be. I mean, what's that quote? No plan for- survives first contact with the enemy. Yeah, I think we talked about that on this on this podcast before, but it remains true. <laughs> Unless it's like a Ocean's Eleven movie where they explain the plan and then the plan goes wrong, but it was supposed to go wrong. So it actually (laughs) does all go according to plan. Except we don't know the plan. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so they're leaving the next night and it's going to be an aerial aerial drop from a plane. 
Mm-hmm. And as they're all on the plane, and they have 15 minutes before their drop zone, and the plane gets all shut up. And this reminded me of Captain America, the first Captain America movie, where it's uh, when Howard Stark is flying him a ca- mm-hmm. cap over, and like they get close, close, but not exactly where they need to go. But the plane gets shot up, so they have to turn back. Did you see the movie Overlord? No. It's a great movie. It's, I'm not into great. zombies. It was so. fantastic. They weren't zombies. They were more like monsters. But I don't blame right. you for thinking that, because they effectively were a zombie. Okay. No, is there a scene like this? Yeah, that's like the whole okay. opening of the movie. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like helicopters in the beginning of video games, where if a mm. video game starts around a helicopter, that helicopter is not making a safe landing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so as the plane gets shot, so, shot up, one of the soldiers is like dies killed, there, yeah. so we're down to seven soldiers. Mm-hmm. Or, hold on, was it eight including... Jones or not including Jones? I definitely did not pay close enough attention. Okay, I did not either. I was, like, I probably should have had a running tally of how many people get killed. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a really so, good yeah. shot of the plane on fire. That effect mm-hmm. looked really good. Yeah. But then Reigns just wakes up on the ground. He seems to have these sort of things where like he like will get be out of it and like his body will start doing something, but he doesn't really remember it because it happens yeah. a little later. He has a great ability to go unconscious when something expensive to film is about to happen. <laughs> so um, yeah, he wakes so, up on the ground, and Germans yeah. are looking for them. Yep, one of and two Nazis have Rollwright, the uh, yes. the flight sergeant, and so Reigns is actually getting ready to shoot him mm-hmm. because oh, he's he was going to shoot. Oh, I think he was going to shoot Rollwright. I think so because he has that order in his head. Yeah, yeah, but. I, I, he's pointing his gun at them. I thought he was going to shoot the Germans. I mean, it's it's vague. Maybe maybe it's supposed to be all right. We th- you know we're not sure what he's going to do. Which well, we aren't, but not because of good filmmaking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could have afforded to make that a little bit clearer, but whatever. As he's getting ready to shoot, who knows who he's going to shoot? Two commandos come up and take out the Nazis with their knives. Stealth kills, as we say right, in the video game world. Yes. And so we get a report, like, so all of the commandos meet up, we get a report that one of the men died of a broken neck, so I think that's two soldiers down now. Yep. But then off they go, and we get some really good Norwegian scenery. That was awesome. So, because they bailed out 15 minutes too early, they are on the wrong side of this big frozen-over lake, so they have to cross that lake, or get around the lake. Mm -hmm. And as they're moving, we cut to this group of Nazis, not just Nazis, SS agents who are who are chasing them, and they found the two dead soldiers. Right. So this is good. It establishes there's a threat. The threat will keep chasing them throughout the movie. Yeah. That's good filmmaking. And so they're going to go rendezvous with Agent Beowulf. Mm-hmm. And I like that they have a code phrase. It's not a really code phrase that makes sense. It's Well, okay, it's, it's a wartime code phrase. It's not necessarily like a code phrase where you it can be dropped into actual conversation no it's not like it's not spies it's not it's not I mean, the spotted cuckoo bird is flying backwards it's a cold day for pontooning it's not yeah, like that that i mean i like those <laughs> no, this is more like in band of brothers when they say flash thunder uh all right so yeah so the code and it took me until this point to realize to remember oh wait beowulf grando oh that makes sense together right they got a theme and they're sticking to it. Yeah. The British Army knows that they're branding. <laughs> so the code phrase, um, the, 
the soldier will say Grandal, and Beowulf is supposed to say to them Viking. Mm -hmm. And so they see a skier in the distance, and they're not sure if she who they, that person is. So they track them to a shack, mm -hmm. and inside the shack they meet who, uh, a person who claims to be Agent Beowulf. They give the code phrase after a lot of short pointing and shooting at each other, like not po pointing Almost, their guns at each other, yeah, not pointing guns. Mm -hmm. And we find that. Beowulf is a girl. Her name is Jensen. Yes. And how many freaking movies have we seen where we're expecting a spy to be a guy and it's some hot woman? To be fair, SOE did employ women and sent them on behind enemy lines. Yes, I know. The point I'm making is that it is a cliche among so <laughs> many cliches. Fair. But this so one has precedent, real precedent. Okay, I'm glad there's president. So I wanted to pause for a moment and talk yeah. to you about something that I've been thinking about involving Fleming. Not just Fleming, but a man who you may be familiar with named Clive Cussler. Uh, vaguely familiar. As a, he's a novelist. Okay. He is very similar to Fleming, in my opinion. Okay? So, he's a novelist. As far as I'm aware, he was not a spy or did any military service. Okay. But he may have been in the Navy. Okay, whatever. So he writes a bunch of series of books with an obvious self-insert hero who is really good at all sorts of different things. And of course, women love him. And he's a fighter and an adventurer. And Clyde Kressler also works in his love of ships and marine stuff and archaeology. So my question is, and I don't really expect you to answer it. I'm just sort of asking the universe. Why does Ian Fleming get to be well-respected while Clive Cussler is like considered a trash novelist? Because <laughs> how many Clive Cussler movies do you know? There's one, and it's called Sahara. You mean and the Matthew McConaughey movie? Yeah, that is what I mean. That's why. Wait, 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 wait. That can't be true. Because the James Bond books were successful before any of the movies, right? They were successful, yes. And, um, yeah. Actually, I, I chalk it up to JFK. Well, actually, you may be right about the movies, because Clive Cussler's books are really well sold, but the, they were not able to make the jump into movies. So it, the reason Bond and Fleming has survived to this day is because of the movies. Mm -hmm. Like, you think about other, like, there are more, there are some more famous spy books out there, like, you know, your Lacarius and whatnot, and those have also survived partially because of the movies. Mm-hmm. So most people know Bond because of the movies, and then the, because of the movies, they know that he was. Some people know that he was, you know, the, he was a book first, and not you know started with the movies. So that's why it's survived through his years. And the fact that Clive Cussler's see at least one movie was a very terrible film. <laughs> yeah, it probably wasn't the best choice of his books to adapt. Okay, that's all. Okay. Rant all over. Right. I just right. hope someday Clive Cussler will get. The credit he may or may not deserve. So, also, how long were Clive Cussler books? How long are they? Yeah. They're longer than James Bond books, but exactly. not super long. They're not like Leon Uris or James All right. Well, I books. mean, like, your average Fleming novel is like 200 pages. They're longer than that. Okay. So, the fact that they're punchy, they're quick, you can write, like read them over a plane ride, that's the other thing. Okay, fair enough. All right, so back to Age of Heroes. All so, right, all right. So Jensen explains there's SS in the area, and they come up with a new plan of attack on the target. Yeah, and uh, apparently they um, the 
commandos lost a bunch of kit when they went down, so they don't have a radio. So when they need Jensen to send a message to Fleming and tell them, you know, he's not there, saying that they're on the other side of the lake, that there's SS in the area, and that they're down two men. Right. It's effectively a status update. Yeah. And Jensen also says, I'm going to extract with you. And Joan says, why? And she just says, orders. Which I thought was <laughs> hilarious. It's like, well, what did you expect? She just kind of felt like it. <laughs> yep. So Fleming gets the message. He tells them to proceed, even though, you know, the odds have not turned in their favor. Right. The odds were already long. Yeah. Joan and... says to somebody that he doesn't trust Jensen. Yep. I think it was to uh, Mortensen. Mm-hmm. I may be making that name. What's his name? The the uh, the U.S. Marine. Who's oh, he Norwegian actually went born. with them? Yeah, he's one of them. Oh, okay. That's why you have the whole thing about them being a couple. Because now the, uh, what the girl, the Fleming's assistant, uh, oh. Holbrook, is worried about him. Oh, it's like Jones' wife back home. Exactly. Okay. Except we actually see Holbrook a few more times. <laughs> so Jones says, well, she betrays her, I'll kill her myself. Which is another cliche line that I love. I feel like if we wanted to do this in editing, it would be hilarious if each time we mention a cliche, we just have a little ding. Yeah, there are a lot of them. It depends. On, but it sort of depends on what you consider to be a cliche. Yeah. So they go to the farm. There's a confrontation with Jensen when they get there. Yeah. Cause, well, the uh, farmer is upset that Jensen brought the commandos there because the SS is following them, and also SF SS found the little shack where they had met. And right. they found Jensen's skis. So, again, so they're, they're like just right like one on step friend. behind. Yeah. yeah, exactly. While they're in the farm, Steiner... Is Steiner his, is his first name, I guess? Uh, Mor- yeah, Mortensen. Steiner Mortensen. What a name. Yeah, seriously. I'm just going to call him Steiner because I can actually remember Steiner. Mm-hmm. But Steiner threatens Jensen because he doesn't think that she's really Beowulf and reveals that, yes, she isn't Beowulf. And the real Beowulf, uh, basically, they almost captured him, and he went on the run, and Jensen mm-hmm. kept transmitting as Beowulf. Which is very nice of her. Well, I think it's mainly so because the real Beowulf told told her that she would bring them to London. Or they would bring her to London, rather. So, yeah, it's like partially the mission, but also oh, she's self-interested because she can yeah. get out. Yeah. So, the SS show up at the farm. Ugh, this scene. <laughs> This is an incredibly brutal, ugly scene. Yes. Which does not really fit the tone of the rest of the movie. does not. I mean, not that the rest of the movie is a really happy one, but this is just, like, brutal. So yeah. they threaten the, fam- the family. The farmer reveals that they helped them. The lead SS officer is like, you know, get together. We're going to take a family photo. And he's like, has this camera running mm-hmm. with film. And he's, like, trying to get, you know, like, telling him to smile. Very creepy and just totally disturbing having them smile and then like shoots one of the family members and then has them all line up and then well, guns them all down. Well, except he doesn't just gun them down because when in the scene oh, no. where they're gunned down, they're all like bloody and beat up. So in between that, oh. they must have been beaten up. Yeah. And then after he's has his soldiers gunned down, he shoots each one of them, sometimes multiple times. And it was like, that is unnecessary. We don't it's, need to see that in this yes. movie. It's totally unnecessary because we already know that the Nazis and especially the SS are bad. Okay. I mean, they could have just left it with, you know, actually, you know it would have been better if, you know, they line them up, 
Mm-hmm. And then ha- you sh- you see the shot of you know the guns firing, and we don't need to see their bodies bloodied and everything. Cut it before that and just leave it, leave yep. it like that. Yeah. I think that's what most other movies probably would have done. It's uh, what we call one. kicking the dog, <laughs> which we don't need because we know the bad guys are bad. Yeah. So Sean Bean, aka Jones, convinced Jensen to leave before yeah, the well, fight. What what he says to her is that she needs to go on Radio London to get extraction coordinates. Mm-hmm. And then to get on the sub. So wait, so a sub, where's the sub going to come from? Uh, the water. I mean, I guess what, one of the, one, like, how are they going to, like, where, what are they near? I don't know which part of Norway they are, so. Dude, I don't know, the coast. <laughs> <laughs> the point is, they're going to go, they're going to go to a place and meet the sub. It's totally normal. It happens in a lot. I, right. I read, I was reading a book, I've been reading a book about D-Day. And okay. there's parts where they use subs to get commanders to like go onto the beaches and like test the water and test the sand and stuff it was pretty yeah. sweet I'm, I'm not that other than what i've seen in what the hunt for red october not mm-hmm. that familiar with the uses of subs i just always assumed it's more for combat and not necessarily for troop transport well my understanding is that the sub has dinghies and then they go from uh, the dinghy uh, to the land and back. okay All right. that, make, that makes complete sense um yeah like I said, I have no real knowledge about it, so it just didn't, but didn't quite really write to me. Also, they keep saying RV, and it took RV. me... RV, yeah. Of one, like, so it's short for rendezvous? Yes, but I okay. like to imagine there's, like, a camper van sitting in the middle of the Norwegian <laughs> I mean, that's what I thought about at first, like, wait, what, are, what, what, what is this RV they keep talking about? No, it's a rendezvous point. <laughs> Especially because tons of movies are like, I'll see you at the RV, and they mean, like, actual RV. <laughs> But yeah, so they go to infiltrate the base in two teams. One team is going to be setting charges at the tower. The mm-hmm. other team is grabbing the intel. So I like this, you know, because they basically the they start some small explosions to cause a distraction, which draws all the soldiers over there. And then Rollwright, Reigns, and Jones get inside to search for the intel. Yep. I mean, it's classic Sun Tzu, and it works really well. And it, it felt very real. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. It's and, not like these... It's not like movies like The Princess Bride, where like they're like, we're going to go light something on fire, and then in the confusion, we'll do everything we got to do. <laughs> yeah, so the, that, uh, the other team is drawing all their fire, and, and mm-hmm. they blow up the tower, and Rollwright gets um, what he needs. So he's basically a treasure trove of intel. Yeah, he says, a treasure house of enemy secrets. But then in this scene... They run in and then they just like punch the Germans in the face. I'm like, why didn't they just? Oh, I missed that. Ah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe... Are you sure they punch him and they didn't punch while also stabbing? No. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Or they might have hit him with the with their top rifle butts. But the point is, they definitely didn't shoot them. And I'm like, maybe it's because they didn't want to shoot the all the electronics. Probably, and also because they wanted to be quiet. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a, probably a better reason. And then uh, so Rollright asks Jones for his commando knife. So he can like cut some of the wires loose and put it in his bag. And mm-hmm. as they're leaving to get out, Rollwright gets attacked, and he still has the knife. So he, the Nazi, tackles him and he stabs him a bunch of the times in the side with the knife. Jeez, yep, it's brutal. It's like hardcore, hardcore violence from you know the kind of nerdy Air Force guy. Meanwhile, we have a couple of our commanders with a heavy machine gun. Just like mowing down guys, Germans, as they run around a corner, like it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> yeah, so Fleming gets word from the team via via uh, Jensen and says that the tower's destroyed, but they're going to miss their RV. No, and, not the RV. 
<laughs> it costs a lot so of money. He gets on the phone with uh, the SOE telling them, all right, we need another extraction. He's like, we've already sent a sub. We can't do another one. Mm-hmm. And so he tries to argue them, but there's to no avail. So he tells them to make their way to Sweden. Also, we find out that Jones's wife has given birth to a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you didn't totally forget about her. That's that's nice. Yeah, but we don't see her. I mean, the audience certainly forgot about her. But yeah. yeah. So it's a two to three day walk to Sweden, and mm-hmm. but they need supplies, uh, and they can't go back to the farm because they promised him the farm that they wouldn't. Right. So Reigns gets the idea. So why don't we just nick what we or steal what we need instead? I'm like, how yes. is that better? It's not better. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but you know, you do what you got to do, I guess. Yeah. So they go back to the farm, which allows them to reuse the same set. Yeah. And they find the corpses there. It's like a horror movie thing where they're <laughs> hidden under the under hay, right where the supplies used to be. Hmm. But it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good twist. And so the SS arrive with. Oh yeah. So when they were escaping. One of the other men gets one of the soldiers gets shot and another gets captured. Uh, Brightling is the one who gets captured. Yes. So wait, so that's three down, three soldiers down, and one mm-hmm. captured. So that's yeah. all right. So they're down to four men. Actually, that does make sense. Yeah, that counts. That tracks. So there's only it eight does? of them total. Okay. <laughs> wait, eight plus. Uh, what happened to the American? Did he get shot? He's not yet. No, he's still there. Okay. So I think it was eight plus um, roll right. No, yeah, that that works. Yeah. So the SS arrived. They're all hiding. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Come out, or I'll kill Brightling." And they don't so know they, what to do. So they take up firing positions. Uh, mm-hmm. Rollright and Jensen, or what's his what's Matt goes tells uh, Rollright and Jensen to take off, go for Sweden while I cover you. And mm-hmm. Jones and Reigns are inside the building, and. Everyone starts firing, and they uh, Jones and Reigns meet up with uh, Mac and Mortensen. Yes. So, and, so yeah. when the, when the bullets are flying, the the SS guy, the blind guy, is like so happy. He's like grinning from ear to ear. Ugh. Well, I mean, because you wanted them to expose where they were. Yeah. I'm, is, I just okay. He was just so over the top that it, it wasn't necessary. <laughs> <laughs> so Jones escapes the house. Mm-hmm. He says, or, he, okay, so he, he like meets up with Mac, yep. and then it looks like he's going to sacrifice himself. Yeah, so um, what happens is, let's see. Yeah, uh, Jones and Reigns, or no, Mortensen, Steiner, Steiner, and Reigns take off while Mac and Jones cover the retreat. Mm-hmm. And as they're covering the retreat, Jones shoots Sid in the, in the chest. When I so, said you mean Brightline. Yeah, bro- yeah, yeah. But if, but of course, that's probably the right move. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, that that he, he like he felt bad about it, but it was like yeah, no, because they're as the, all the time that they're trying to get them to come out, they're torturing Brightling, like yeah, uh, kicking him or like hitting him where he's wounded. I was like, oof, yeah, no. He, he, so they put uh, Jones puts him out of his misery. Like you killed Ensign Lynch. <laughs> There's no way to save him. You didn't even try. Okay, and so then, then Jones and Mac make so yeah, yeah. make a last stand, maybe? Question mark. Tort- yes, that is absolutely the correct reaction. <laughs> I like, I like- have to go back because I'm like, I don't wait. Did they die? What happened to them? You don't see. <laughs> Presumably, because it's Sean Bean, he's dead. 
Yeah, but it can't, it can't go on the official Sean Bean death list because you don't actually see him die. Uh, you just never see them again, but presumably they do die, yes. Yeah, so uh, Mortensen and Reigns are on the are on the run, uh, and as they're running, Steiner, or Mortensen gets shot. And, and then it Rainer's, goes all shaky. It goes all shaky cam. Yeah. Reigns is trying to shoot the SS who are coming after him, but his gun is either jammed or out of bullets. Yep. And he's about to kill himself with the commando knife because he'd rather die than be taken captured. Mm -hmm. And right as he's about to slit his own throat, Rollwright and Jensen come to rescue Reigns. And kill, like, at least five SS guys by themselves. And then we get some nice, beautiful scenery as Rollwright, Reigns, and Jensen are trekking to Sweden. Yeah, it's like the ending of The Sound of Music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the movie ends there. I'm like, I definitely... I, like, I, I thought... For some reason, when because I like I said I watched it before, but I fell asleep and I woke up at the end. I thought that they meet up with, uh, with Jones again. So, like I had this vague memory, but I may have just been completely asleep. Nope, Sean and Mac are gone, never to be seen again. Uh, and it ends with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a very sudden ending. So but, uh, there you go. What do we got for spy fact versus spy fiction? Okay, well, I hope I did this correctly. All right. You know, you might be surprised, but there's not a lot of information about this super secret commando unit. I mean, they have I, a Wikipedia page. Well, they, they did, but... Okay, there wasn't that much information on this specifically. Oh, no, So, yeah. I did not read a book this time. Our source is Wikipedia, as you said, Commando Operations in Norway by Simon Orchard and the Commando Veterans Archive. So, the 30 commandos were originally called the Special Intel Unit, and they would do covert infiltrations, and they served in many places, including Norway. All right. As far as I can tell, everything about the mission is fictional. Yeah, that's that's what I found as well. They did participate in a failed Dieppe raid in France in '42 that involved thousands of soldiers, mostly Canadian. Huh. So here's my thing. So the beginning of the movie is in 1940, right? And then how? So an undetermined period, but after that to when we meet up with Fleming. So we don't know what year this is all taking place in. Yes. But if it's more than two years, then it makes sense because the uh, 30 assault unit wasn't formed until 42. Yes, they were formed in... Yes, that's that's correct. But it doesn't seem like Reigns has been at that prison for very long. Well, I mean, he could have been there for a, a year, over a no, year. No, because it's like there, it's like it's like it's opening day. Like it feels like it's his first day there when he's when we meet him there at the at the prison. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So so, uh, so it, it makes no sense. So the this and I mean they kind of get away with it because he says usually the first first of a new breed. So maybe it's not officially actually, and they never actually say the words thirty assault unit. I think we're thinking about this more than the writers did, <laughs> as usual. Well, usually with movies, you try to like to cut corners. So yeah. if we could have a scene where he gets out, but we also establish what life is like in prison at like the, in like the same scene, gonna kind of cluster them together, then they're gonna do that. Yeah. Well. Anyway. So. So anyway, timeline-wise, it just doesn't work. Okay, but I did find an operation that's similar to what the movie is about. Oh, okay. All right. Called Operation Musketoon. That took place in September 1942 in Glomfjord, Norway. All right. 
The objective was to destroy a power station, which was providing power to an aluminum plant. It involved two captains, eight British commandos, and two Norwegians okay. who left from Scotland on a free French sub. They hid out at a contact's house and did a surprise attack. When they withdrew, they had to split up, and in the confusion, one of the British was killed, one Norwegian wounded, two officers wounded, who were captured with four others. The other Norwegian and three of the British managed to make their way into Sweden, okay. and eventually got back to Britain. But the two officers were to become the first to suffer under Hitler's infamous, which they say infamous, I never heard of it, commando order, in which they were shot by firing squad. Not also not heard of that, huh? So maybe that's what happened to Mac and Sean Bean. All right, so I, I think that's pretty much what we got. I mean, so we talked a little bit about Thirty Assault Unit in uh, in our previous episode, in the Fleming episode. But the other thing I want to say is that uh, so they were officially disbanded in 1946, but in 2010, the Royal Marines formed Thirty Commando Information Exploitation Group which carries on the, the legacy and history of 30 Assault Unit. So there is currently still a version of 30 Assault Unit, which I think is pretty cool. That's nice. It's like the Enterprise in the Navy. <laughs> I couldn't find much information about what exactly Ian Fleming did with them. Like, There's no uh, indication that he went to Scotland to brief them. It just said he helped form them. Yeah, so he it, it's what was in Fleming was mostly accurate in terms of that he formed the unit but he and he gave them assignments, but he never actually went out with them because he was too valuable, as we talked about in that Fleming yeah. episode. So then I feel like it was a missed opportunity in this movie. I would have liked to see some of that to mention about mm-hmm. how they didn't like him. <laughs> they also left out the Red Indians. You did you notice that? Yeah, that's well, that which I appreciated that because that's just it's it's like a terrible name. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's part of history. I, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. So now it is time for favorite quotes. Which cliche in this movie did you like the most? I, like you, I enjoy a good boot camp scene. So I like the, let's go for our first heart attack, shall we? That was great. It also reminded me of Alfred in The Dark Knight Returns. Mm. When he's like, why should we delay your first cardiac arrest? (laughs) So I had a quote that I liked. I liked the drill sergeant ones, as I mentioned. But when the mission starts right after they do a bunch of knife kills, I think it's I think it's Mac says, I'll go make some noise, which I thought was like <laughs> badass. Uh, I did also appreciate when when Fleming is like, you know, officially you won't exist. I'm like, which is also one of my favorite cliches. <laughs> I mean, it never seems to get old, does it? Yeah. All right. Shall we get into our ratings? Okay, so as always, our ratings are from 1 to 10 martinis, 1 being an absolutely terrible, the worst spy movie that could ever be, and 10 being an amazing, fabulous spy movie. How do you rate Age of Heroes? So in the beginning of the movie, I was pretty low there, but and, but we got to the boot camp scene, which I really enjoyed, and I appreciated the fact that they brought up the commando knife, because that's, as someone who's read, like, if... In Fleming and also in like the movies, they actually feature. He uses the commando knife quite a bit, and it's really? in like. The, I have this book, The World of 007. It's one of those like big like, uh, coffee table books, and about you know James Bond, and it talks about how his you know the commando knife, and that's the first where I saw about the Fairbairn Sykes, 
all that. And there's actually a Fairbairn Sykes, actually a few Fairbairn Sykes in the Spy Museum mentioned as a specially designed commander now. So I have an attachment to it. And so that's going to boost me up from a four to a five. Okay. <laughs> it's just a salt. Like the fact that they actually focused on that, like of all the things, yes, no, a lot of other things, like the mission seems to be mostly fictional. But I enjoyed the boot camp scenes. I actually liked when they're infiltrating, um, infiltrating the place. Other parts of it were kind of dull and boring, but so that's, I'm just right in the middle, five. All right. So this was something I was wondering from before, is I don't remember James Bond ever using a knife in any <laughs> of the movies. Um, I, he does use one in Die Another Day. Uh, he uses one in Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. throwing knives, actually. I'm not talking about a knife. I'm talking about this specific commando knife. Okay, I remember at least in Tomorrow Never Dies and in uh, Die Another Day, he uses the commando knife. Oh, well, that explains it, because I've seen all the Pierce Bronson movies once, and those <laughs> were probably when they first came out. This isn't a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not truly bad either. So, and then talking about it more, I sort of looking back on it better, I certainly wouldn't recommend it to people. But it is just on the low side of average. I will give it four out of ten martinis. All right. But leaning more towards three than towards five. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at the SpyFi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin McLeo from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 